0: From the antiviral studios of Univest at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another elderberry episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks you bet your garden. Are elderberries about to become the new plant for you to grow? I'm Mike McGrath, and on today's show, we'll discuss elderberry's power to fight the flu and have a hopefully final word about whether or not there's cyanide in them berries. Plus your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and decidedly dramatic denunciations. So keep your eyes and your ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you growing your own flu-be-gone right after this.
1: Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
0: Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, the question of the week will focus on elderberries. Yes, we're doing elderberries again because there is so much more to learn than we talked about last time out. We'll have you growing them before you know it. But before you know it, we'll take some of your fabulous phone calls at 888 492 44. Robert, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, thanks for being had. We really appreciate that. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a big fan of the show, so
1: uh, I'm excited to be calling in.
0: Uh, we'll take care of that excitement pretty quickly. Yeah. I think you'll, you'll regret your choice in about 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, um. All right. Uh, where are you? I'm in uh, uh
1: Pennsylvania right outside of Philadelphia, Springfield, Montgomery County.
0: Okay, Montco. Yeah. yeah. All right, what can we do you for?
1: So, uh I recently moved out of the city to a house that has this really beautiful old um spectacular oak tree. It's a white oak tree. Um it's in our backyard. And, um, you know, I, it's such a cool tree. It's like the coolest part of the house. And, um, I wanted to, you know, make sure that we care for it in the most proper way to ensure, you know, it's health and it's doing okay. And so I called a couple of tree services, uh, to come by. I picked ones that said that they were arborists, and, you know, to get a feel for, you know, if they had any recommendations and they, um, made some recommendations and I would, you know, I kind of wanted a second opinion from you to see if you know what they, you know, what they said sounded reasonable because I don't really have any knowledge of it.
0: And you're the guy who blew up our Facebook page. Right? Uh um I'm looking no. at the I'm looking at the picture of the tree.
1: Oh, and, and sorry. I...
0: Yeah, this was up on our Facebook page. It, oh, I don't I didn't uh, go on it. Oh, you you should. It turned into I will. It turned into a riot. Oh, uh, oh really? Yeah, we got four or five times the numbers of likes or loves we normally oh, cool. get. I last I looked there were almost 50 comments, a whole bunch of shares. And oh, wow. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, so I I remember you. I keep I was Uh, going back and forth, checking the numbers. I felt like we had won the lotto or something. That's
1: awesome. I'm I'm not a big Facebook guy, but,
0: you know, I'll check it out. Oh, yeah, and our Facebook page is tons of fun. Um, I would urge anybody who watches or listens to to check it out. There's some great discussions on there and some amazing – some amazing pictures from gardeners. Well, you're right. Cool. This is a beautiful oak. I'm looking at it now. The house looks interesting. And I, yeah. I love how this greenery is cut out around the oak. Yeah. And we can see the root flare of the oak, which uh-huh. means, and, and we can also see it fully leafed out. And those right. two things tell me you don't need to do a darn thing here. No, that's nice to hear. I mean, I wasn't, like, worried
1: about anything. It just seems like a couple hundred-year-old tree that I would really like to,
0: you know, make sure it's health, uh, you know. It'll uh, it'll live for another hundred years if you stop trying to help it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I haven't, and... Um, can I can I just tell you like what they recommended and please. And, and pick your brain, please. So
0: Slim they told pickings. me
1: that the they told me that the small little like fresh branches that that grow off the main branches are something called suckers and they need to be removed. Um, I mean, I could just stop at each one or tell you all like the. Th- the all right, main I'll branches.
0: tell you right now. Suckers come up from the ground. There are, uh-huh. there are no suckers um, around your tree. I'm guessing what the tree has are called water sprouts. And those are new branches that go straight up. And I believe you told us in your original email or whatever that these water sprouts leaf out beautifully and make the tree appear more full. Yeah, and I just thought like the tree wants
1: more leaves and it's sprouting these things and it's getting a lot of nice leaves from them.
0: Why would you cut them off? Was kind of my feeling. Well, you know, maybe because they have a boat payment due or you
1: know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
1: I even googled it and even online people like I've seen things written that say that these uh, well, I guess water sprouts, will divert energy from the main branch and therefore they should be removed. That, like, I saw that if written a few
0: times. Yeah, I'll I bet. <laughs> that's why I can't retire. Uh, that's why I have to stay in this job. What is coming off the water sprouts? More leaves. How does the right. tree collect energy over the summer? By using its leaves as solar panels for photosynthesis, and the more leaves, the more energy that's transmitted to the tree, down to the roots and to strengthen the trunk. Everything you cut off that is leafing out is stealing energy from the tree. Um, I don't know if the people who said this kind of thing try to figure out questions and answers using Yahtzee dice or whatever. Um but you were given some really poor advice and I'm glad you reached out to us. They also wanted to fertilize the tree, right? Yeah, they said that they would
1: use these a special machine, they didn't describe it that like, you know, I guess it drills into the ground and injects fertilizer into the roots of the tree. It's not just like spread on the
0: ground, you know. Oh. So instead yeah. of spreading fertilizer on the ground, around the tree, so that the rain could slowly leach it down to the roots, we're going to kill some of the roots with power (laughs) drills. That's Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Absolutely ridiculous. You have to be careful. Um, Uh You know, uh, I don't know if they were certified arborists, uh, Uh but you want to go with certification. uh, They will have a license. They'll have a number. And Uh things like that. But you have to realize that if you call somebody to come to look at a tree, they're going to find something to do. Right. And the time to call an arborist, a certified arborist, is when you first notice something going wrong with the tree. Then they may give you good advice. And you're going to love going to the Facebook page. It's going to take you a couple of hours to read all the Uh, comments you've gotten. But as, uh, I, I, as I look at this tree, one final thought is there is a, quote, dead branch uh, going yeah. off from the bottom. And yeah. a, a lot of our Facebook friends um, insisted that, that that has to be cut off yeah. because disease and right. insects uh, can get right. in there. Well, yes. if you cut it off, then you create a fresh wound that is right. much easier for pathogens and insects to enter. Plus right. you have taken that this branch changes this stately oak tree into a climbing tree. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the first step, right? Yeah. And, then, and then you're up there in the crotch and you can go as far as you want. My kids grew up climbing uh, my trees like this. And when I did right. prune them because the branch would be dead I would uh-huh. always leave um, a step right. so that they could get up more easily. So, got it. I feel like Judge Judy. Case closed. No, that's great.
1: I mean, uh, the, like I, I, I had a feeling. I wasn't sure you would email me back, but this is great. I, I had a feeling. I mean, you're telling me the things that I kind of was feeling.
0: Right. And, you know. Um, and uh, it's really helpful to hear you, you know,
1: hear your thoughts.
0: And it sounds like you're a good thinker, so trust your gut. Great. Thank you so much for taking my call. All right. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, waking up our Facebook page. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good work, man. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's time to make the garden electric. That's right. You can join me, Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, for a behind-the-scenes tour of this year's Philadelphia Flower Show, The Garden Electric. I'll be joined by Seth Pearsall, design director of the show, on Tuesday, March 7th. And you can join us for a -a one-of-a-kind behind-the-scenes tour. Afterwards... You can hang around, enjoy the exhibits, the vendors, and everything else the Philadelphia Flower Show has to offer. Now, tickets are limited, so be sure to visit pbs39.org flowershow show to secure your spot today.
2: little 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 box in a 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 box little box in a 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 box Well, it's time for me to take a little bug 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 little
0: bug little bug little bug little bug little little bug little bug little bug little bug little bug little bug little little that our special audio-only segment in the news is coming up. This time out, we have great news about eagles, hawks, and other raptors. That's coming up next on You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
1: Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com.
0: Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath, and I want to remind our podcasters and radio listeners that we continue with our new feature just for you, discussing a pertinent story in the news. This week, bald eagles, hawks, and other raptors are making a comeback as measured in a very appropriately named location. Again, that's audio only, so you TV folks hop right over there. Matt, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being had, Matt. How are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing very good, getting ready for a second winter here at Spokane, Washington.
0: Oh, <laughs> how many winters a year do you have? Oh, usually two, but this January we had
2: our false spring, and it's just getting cold again now.
0: Right, right. Uh, it, crazy weather this year, and... Last year and the year before. (laughs) All right. What can we do for you?
2: Well, I have about 140 feet of privet on the east side of my house. Okay. And it's been poorly cared for for about 20 years because I planted it 20 years
0: ago and haven't been caring for it very well. Okay.
2: Um, Recently, due to some construction, I ended up chopping back uh, one end of the privet pretty harshly just so I could get some equipment in and out. Mm -hmm. And that privet uh, seems to be healthier and looking better than the rest of the entire row. So I'm wondering as the spring's coming on here, what's the best thing I can do? How far back can I cut a 20 year old privet?
0: Well, tell me what you you did with this section. Um, If you say you were moving construction equipment across, you had to chop it down to the ground
2: Well, actually, it was just so I could uh, swing some stuff around above it. So it cut down from about a six-foot height to maybe about three feet. Okay. And then while I was at it, I cut it back from – it was about three-foot wide, and I probably cut it back to easily a foot wide. And I did that over a course of a couple of of cuttings so that the first time I cut it, probably there was still a lot of greenery on it, and then the second time I cut it – Some of the new greenery had already started popping up on the other side.
0: Okay, that's a good sign. Um, What time of year did you do this?
2: This would have been probably uh, late summer.
0: Late summer. Well, you're lucky that this is a very aggressive plant, man, because you did everything wrong. (laughs) Um, I
2: I was worried about that.
0: (laughs) Never prune late into the—oh, you're in Spokane. So you don't have normal weather. If you had done that in Pennsylvania, your privet would have been growing aggressively when the temperature zeroed out suddenly around the holidays, and that could have killed Mm -hmm. large sections of the plant. So even though you got away with it, all you others out there, don't do what Matt did, okay? No pruning in the fall. It's, It's... really easy to understand and remember. I know you're bored. I know it's a nice day outside. You know, go to the zoo, go to a botanic garden, um, go chase pigeons out of the park, anything else, but start pruning your plants just because it's nice weather and you feel like it. But again, where you are, man, your weather is both predictable and unpredictable. You know, it's pretty much a mild climate most of the time um, and uh, you're wet a lot of the time and that's, you know, in a sense, if plants have thrived under those conditions, uh, then those conditions are really good for them. So, and what I mean by that is as you're pruning, you risk desiccation from water loss, but there's no possibility mm-hmm. of water loss <laughs> you know in in Spokane, right? oh, wait a minute, um, or are you further inland where it gets dry
2: no we are we are further inland where it gets dry over by the summer, but I do water the plants quite a
0: bit, so. okay, all right, so what you're talking about is called rejuvenation pruning, which is when a plant has gotten out of hand, you have to make sure it's going to grow back. Uh, But you've ascertained that already, and you say the new growth Mm -hmm. looks as good or better than the old growth. Looks much better than the old growth. The old growth was probably getting really woody. Yeah, some of the stocks on the old growth are over
2: an inch and a half wide
0: Yeah, or in diameter. Yeah, and now you've got nice new growth Um, and probably fill in better even. So Mm -hmm. what I would suggest... And that would
2: be something I would love to do is fill it in so it's a little more dense. Right now it's very light and airy because I would get out and prune it maybe once every other year in the spring, and that was it.
0: (laughs) And what would you do when you pruned it?
2: Uh, Basically, I would go and uh, straighten up the... The east-facing edge, since that gets sunlight almost all day long, and then uh, I, everybody always told me a hedge is a wedge, and so I would wedge back the uh, the, the west-facing side. <laughs> but it was just to make it even, not to encourage growth, I suppose, because I've got very long, long privet branches, but not like the privet I see in the parks where it's all tight and.
0: <laughs> well, they probably get then- nicely manicured a couple, you know, couple times a year. Um yeah. So uh I would what's now you say you're getting your second winter. What's what's it like there now and what's coming? Uh
2: what's like here now is uh highs in the high 20s and mm. uh, lows in the teens at night. Um but we just came off of a January where it was getting up in the 40s and maybe not freezing overnight. Yeah, and before so, I was once gonna- we get through these next Four or six weeks, we'll be, we'll be back into real spring.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was confusing you with Seattle at first. My brain has uh, been uh, battling me. Um, but I've been reminded many times by Spokaneans <laughs> that we are not Seattle. <laughs> so, yeah, wait till this last winter's over. Uh, wait till spring is there in um, in full force. You know, all the daffodils are up and everything like that and then go out and do it. This is a massive job though. You're probably going to have to do sections at a time.
2: Oh, definitely. And I
0: mean at a time meaning over courses of years.
2: Yes. And and I I'd, I'd be ready to do that too cuz I don't want to I don't want to risk harming it or or killing it, but mm-hmm. I do I do love the idea of it being green and vibrant instead of kind of a pale green and <laughs> and sparse.
0: (laughs) And then when you're finally done with this project, every spring, get out there and just give it a haircut. Just get rid of Mm -hmm. branches that are poking up or out. Um, Let it rejuvenate enough so it gets a little larger than what you've done. But to begin with, continue exactly what you've done in terms of height. Great. All right, man.
2: That sounds great.
0: All right. Well, good luck Thank to you, sir. Thanks for
2: putting my mind at ease. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> my mind's been at ease since 1965. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck, Matt. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey there, cats and kittens. I'm Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden. How would you like to join me on a tour of this year's Philadelphia Flower Show, The Garden Electric? Well, you're in luck, because once again, I'll be hosting a special event, behind-the-scenes tour of the show, with design director Sean Pearsall. It all takes place at the Pennsylvania Convention Center in Philly on Tuesday, March 7th. For details and ticket information, visit pbs39.org slash flowershow. And don't delay, tickets really are limited. Little sell it to me. You know me a All right, here we go with our special audio-only segment. You'll only hear this if you listen to the podcast or terrestrial radio. Phew, I was afraid I wouldn't get that one out. This week's story is from The Morning Call, which is our local newspaper, and it has great news about raptors. Now, anybody who lives in the Lehigh Valley and many people who live outside of it have heard of the Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. Now, I don't know that this part is in the story, uh, but Hawk Mountain was originally a place where hunters would go and shoot down hawks as they migrated through the area. Uh, You know, essentially a pretty horrifying concept but it transitioned into a sanctuary and they have been following the migrations of these fabulous birds for many many years and this year was very special on several occasions. Um, A lot of people they take turns watching for them and the the season Uh, begins August 15th, ends December 15th, in case you were thinking of visiting Hawk Mountain, which is a popular tourist attraction. Um, The overall count of these magnificent birds flying through, um, what is it, the uh, Acopian Center for Conservation Learning at the Hawk Mountain Sanctuary That's a mouthful. Anyway, the overall count was over 25% higher than average, which is amazing. But the interesting part was bald eagles, who we do see at our property every once in a while, but it's not a common sight like in Alaska where there's millions of them. Um, The bald eagle count, uh, was twenty percent above the average. Broad-winged hawks, sixty um, percent above average. Uh, but you know, you never get, you know, nothing but good news. Red-tailed hawks, the count was down. Now, on any given day, uh, in the middle of the migration, a thousand raptors will pass over the Hawk Mountain Sanctuary, and it is just an astonishing sight. The bad, bad news or interesting news was that my favorite, the Red-Tailed Hawk, its numbers were down, but I knew for a fact, just driving around the neighborhood, that the numbers weren't down, Um, They were much more prevalent than eagles and other forms of raptors. And it is speculated that climate change has made it possible for them to migrate closer uh, to their summertime home. And they might not have to fly over Hawk Mountain. But the overall story is fabulous. Raptors control vermin. Uh, They are a farmer's best friend, which makes me wonder why they wanted to shoot them. I I guess loss of chickens. Yep, that's probably it. Um, But they do a great deal of good for the environment. And there's nothing I enjoy more than when I'm working out in the garden and a big shadow crosses over me and I looked up and there is one of these beautiful, amazing creatures just soaring effortlessly, uh, just gliding on the wind. And I don't know anybody who can look up at that and not go, I would love to do that. And of course their eyesight is a hundred thousand million times better than ours, so what are they seeing? You know, even from up high, they can spot a rabbit. So, the good news, the total news here is these creatures that were almost decimated are making a great comeback. I will remind those people my age um, and try to educate young people that Rachel Carson drew attention to the plight of bald eagles in particular and in a book called Silent Spring, which everyone should read, explained that the use of DDT, a long uh, forbidden pesticide, but used heavily back then, was getting into the bloodstreams of the little animals, the mice, the rats, the voles, the rabbits, things like that. And then uh, the raptors would eat them and it would concentrate the poisons in these larger creatures. It's always the top of the food chain that, um, that gets the most hurt. So the book was a hit, the time was right. The environmental movement, Um, was just getting started in its modern form. And today, the evidence of her work is just undeniable. And if you don't believe it, visit the Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. Well, it's time for me to take another little break and proudly announce That we will once again be hosting our special event behind the scenes at the Philadelphia Flower Show. On Tuesday, March 7th, a lucky number of you will join me and the show's new designer as we look at the central exhibit and he and I chat about what it takes to put the greatest show on earth together. Uh, tickets are extremely limited, and we urge you to get yours now. That's for the show on Tuesday, March 7th. Uh, to get more information and to grab those tickets, please go to pbs39.org slash show.
2: This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org.
0: Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will get to the question of the week, where we will delve deeper into the mystery of elderberries. And whether you're elder or younger, you'll enjoy what we have to say. Right after more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Ted, welcome to you, Betcher. Hi Mike. Hi, Ted. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. How you doing? I'm doing fine today.
3: We have a, a beautiful day here. And where is here? Um live just outside of farmland, Indiana, which is in east central Indiana. Okay. And uh we're not we're not too far from Muncie, Indiana where Ball State University is at.
0: Okay, very good. Um all right. What can we do you for?
3: Well, we had some problems last year in our garden with European squash bore, and that totally new experience for me. Never had issues with them, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what we could do to prevent and or treat them, and in case we have an outbreak this year. Um, we've been trying to keep our garden. Pretty much chemical-free. So if if you would know of some things we could do in oh, that yeah. aspect, that would be great.
0: No, I can't even imagine a chemical uh, that would be very effective. Uh, because as you probably know, a moth flies into your garden, lays her eggs at the base of your squash vines, right where the vines come out of the soil, the eggs hatch and tiny little larva come out and chew their way inside the hollow stem of the squash vine, and they are hidden. You can't see them. And before you know it, the squash plant looks like it's either got too much water or not enough water, and if you tug at it gently, it'll just break off at the soil line. So That's just exactly what happened. That's why I get the big money, Ted. Uh <laughs> I wish. Um so the answer is physical. Um do you do you grow from seed or do you start your plants indoors?
3: Uh both. And probably with uh the zucchini and the melon plants and that we start those first and then put out in the garden.
0: Okay. So here's the deal. Any squash you're growing that has a solid stem you don't have to worry about. They only attack hollow stemmed squash like pumpkins. Uh, Okay. So I advise you um, to uh, start your seeds of all your squash, uh, just so that you can get a plant that's about six, eight inches tall. And then, then when you put it in the ground, You can do a number of different things. You can wrap medical tape uh, around the part where the soil meets the stem, and you want to go like three inches down and three inches up. Some people prefer aluminum foil. Again, same thing. And, and, And if you ever got a piece of aluminum foil caught in your teeth, you know that these little buggers are not going to enjoy that bite. I wouldn't think. Now, one interesting thing that has come up in the research is that it takes about a week from the time the female moth lays her eggs to when the little caterpillars come out. So if during that time you just get like a sprayer of just plain water and hit that area where the, uh, again, where the vine enters the soil you'll dislodge the eggs and ruin their day. Some people will also wipe the vine gently with a damp cloth. You don't need anything on the cloth. I mean, you're just removing those eggs. And if you do that once a week, I mean, they don't have a chance.
3: Okay, sounds great. Um, Here's a question. Is there a certain time of the spring or summer that you really should be on guard for them. Yes. Or just yes. Throughout.
0: And you mentioned Ball Horticultural, or Ball State yes. University.
3: Um,
0: is that yes. is that your uh, extension service for the for the entire state of Indiana?
3: No, no, that's through Purdue. But okay. I do belong to the Master Gardeners.
0: I would or, go uh, no in Delaware County. I would I would go to Purdue, uh, go on their website, and look up emergence times. They will know exactly okay. when these insects um, start when you know when the females fly in. That's what you want. As soon as the females okay. fly in, and you should also take a good look. I think the female. It's been a while. I think the female is very distinctive looking and may even be a day flying moth um, that looks very unusual. So as soon as you would okay. see one of these creatures, you'd go into your your wiping or spraying. But there's no harm to the plant to wrap it up um, way in advance of that. All
3: okay. right, man? Okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much.
0: My pleasure. You take care and have a good season, pal. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Once again, it is time for the question of the week, which we are calling the Elderberry Saga, a new look at elderberries. Slater who listens to us on WPSU from State College, PA, can't get enough about elderberries. He writes, I'm hoping you will go into even more detail about elderberries and tap into the enthusiastic cult following that these fruits are gaining the way you did with, say, persimmons a few years ago. Two decades ago, when I built my house in the mountains surrounding Williamsport, Elderberries grew wild. I didn't like the taste and considered them to be a horrible bushy weed to be eradicated. Now I love them. Here's what I learned. Although elderberries streaking to popularity in America, as evidenced by an elderberry section in every drugstore, 90% of the berries used in these concoctions are imported, dried, and from Europe, not because growing conditions are any better there. It's just that European elderberries have been established as medicinally useful for a long time. A gentleman named Terry Durham in Missouri is trying to promote the American elderberry. The Johnny Appleseed of elderberries, he's appeared on many YouTube channels and podcasts and is a wealth of information. Slater continues, There have been remarkable advances in cultivars. Did you know that there are determinate and indeterminate varieties, just like tomatoes? And just like tomatoes, that determines if they all ripen at once or go on bearing until frost. There are varieties that hang the berries upside down so the birds can get some, but it leaves lots behind for humans to enjoy. I have native varieties growing here in North Central PA, but the new varieties thrive here as well. Terry, remember Terry, provides cuttings to gardeners and farmers alike. Now there is no arguing Plain elderberries taste terrible by themselves. The traditional way to make them tasty utilize sugar and lemon juice. However, I mix a little elderberry juice with apple or orange juice, no added sugar. And it's delicious, more than the sum of its parts. McGrath here. Delicious orange juice is loaded with natural sugars and it's delicious. Did I say that already? Slater isn't done yet. You went on at some length about elderberries containing cyanide. The same could be said for almonds, lima beans. I knew there was something wrong with them. Bamboo shoots and spinach. Certain varieties contain more than others but you correctly said that they should be cooked and then it all becomes moot. Deer, however, eat elderberry leaves. I speak from experience. First-year plants need to be protected with wire fencing or some other type of deer deterrent. Deer will nibble on older plants, but it's hardly noticeable because their growth is so vigorous. (laughs) The same can be said of the deer, Slater. All in all, Elderberries are the easiest berry I've ever grown. Propagation is just pushing a stick into the ground where it roots with ease. I think, Slater concludes, that you should have Terry Durham on as a guest. His website is riverhillsharvest.com. P.S. That's also where I got my cuttings. All right. Finally, I get to talk. I know I've been talking, but I've been talking what another guy was writing. So, I have been keen on revisiting this topic because I have a long history with elderberry. Back in the 90s, the late but still great James Duke, Ph.D., who played the leading role in researching the potential medicinal value of plants at the USDA for 27 years recommended I try a new product called Sambucol, which he considered to be an excellent antiviral. Created by a female doctor of African origin in Israel, this was a refined product of ripe European black elderberries, plus a little sugar seed so gag. And it showed great potential in fighting viruses like the flu and the common cold a.k.a. rhinovirus. Tested during a particularly nasty flu outbreak in Israel in 1993, Sambucol was able to relieve flu symptoms in just three days for 90% of those who took it. Non-users suffered symptoms for a week. Now, in 1993, I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old My wife and I and both kids started taking the recommended prevention dose as soon as summer was over. The kids were okay with the flavor, but they actually started asking for it when their classmates started to go down. Once saying, quote, half the school or preschool is sick. Do you think we should double down? I still use the product or a similar one every flu season. The scientific name of the plant is Sambucus. All or most of the natural medicinal products are made with European black elderberries because that's what was used in all the research. But as our friend Slater notes, there is also an elderberry native to North America named Sambucus canadensis either because it was first described in Canada, or it has something to do with yeast infections. And as he notes, there is a, wait for it, growing interest in this native plant. I'm here all week. Now, about the cyanide precursors we focused on last time out. Numerous universities in Missouri have been teaming up to research all aspects of the American elderberry, hoping to make it a new cash crop in the state. I have read as much of the research as my humble brain can absorb, and the idea of cyanide being most prominent in the seeds seems to be totally incorrect. The most dangerous parts of the plant seem to be the unripe fruit stems, and leaves. And researchers note that there's a heck of a lot more cyanide in apple seeds than in the worst parts of an elderberry plant. We'll provide a link to the most authoritative article I found about this in the journal Molecules. But for now, just use ripe berries and cook them well. Well, that sure was some interesting information about the berry of the hour now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Garden's Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or, of course, your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to eliminate my elderberries if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888 492 9444 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor your wretched refuse of an email teeming towards our garden shore at YBYG at WLVT.org. Please, please (laughs) include your location. You guys are killing me. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly From the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when he failed the audition to play B.A. Baracus on the original (sighs) A-team. All those gold chains just pinned the boy to the floor. Ken Queter is our musical director. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is the always cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page, which, by the way, has really been hopping lately. If you're not visiting us, you're missing a lot. Hoppin' Teresa Radke is our peerless princess of profound production. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Also starring Jacob Morris as Trapper and Zack the Tack as Hawkeye. Ably assisted by our beloved band of card sharks, roustabouts, and fortune tellers. Always late for a meeting, but fast to pick up the check, is our somewhat elegant CEO, Tim Fallon. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be freeing my spring bulbs from a cover of occasionally frozen leaves because I didn't do it when I told you to do it last fall. And so I'll do it now and then I'll see you again next week.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah.